0: In 2021, an African American cultural holiday celebrated throughout the American South since 1865 officially became a new national holiday. Occurring annually on June 19th, the day is officially known as Juneteenth National Independence Day, or Juneteenth for short, and it commemorates the emancipation of enslaved Black and African American people.
1: Talk about food history and how food connects and defines
0: us. So, if you've ever eaten, prepared, or shared food, then this podcast probably has something for you. Hi, Leigh. Hey, Kim. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you. You know, it's beautiful spring. And so, while our cherry blossoms are gone, my strawberries are blossoming. How are you doing?
1: Really good. We are starting to get past that kind of drizzly, I hate to say snow, but because snow can happen in Montana any month of the year. (laughs) But we're getting some warmer weather, and I can hardly believe that we are already into June.
0: I know time changes when you become an adult, certainly compared to when you're a kid. I remember as a kid, a year was forever. Yes, yes. And as an adult, the months can just really slide right by. There's just something especially weird about time anymore since 2020. Half the time don't know what day it is or even what month it is. And I can't believe this year is rounding out to be half over. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. But there's a lot to celebrate still coming up. I'm really excited. We're just north side of Independence Day and a very exciting holiday that is our newest national holiday, and that is Juneteenth. And this seemed like a really fun thing for us to talk about today because, like we've talked about in other episodes, this holiday with which I'm not particularly intimately familiar, but very important to a lot of people. So I thought, let's talk about it. Right. Yeah. So I was in college in Yellow Springs, Ohio, when I first learned about Juneteenth. I spent the majority of my childhood in Southern California where I learned a lot about Latino and Chicano culture, but a lot less about African American history and culture. So it really took moving to Ohio for me to really start to understand and appreciate these other cultural heritages of our great country. And I know that there's still many that I have yet really not fully experienced. But what I love is that we take these opportunities to learn and grow. I know it's pretty obvious how much we're both deeply fascinated by the history of our country. I think you can appreciate how eye-opening it was to be a young adult and learn new facets of our national history beyond the broad strokes that we learn about in K-12 through school. And it goes to show that education is for a lifetime. So this is a journey with great intention to explore and learn more about African-American food history and culture, and the impacts that Black and African-American people have had on our overall conceptualization of American cuisine. I just need to say that I'm an enthusiast, not an expert, so I am approaching this endeavor with a full heart, open mind, and very hungry stomach, as per usual. And to epitomize why I think this topic is so important, I'm going to reference Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, who said, quote, Juneteenth matters now because it says to the Black community, this is not just your history, this is everyone's shared history, and we recognize it together, end quote. Mm. Okay, so let's talk about Juneteenth and its particular food traditions. We, We probably remember Abraham Lincoln, Not personally, but we learned about him in school. And President Abraham Lincoln issued the famous Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863, which legally freed enslaved people in the southern secessionist states, except for parts of states not in rebellion, And the enforcement of this proclamation came with the occupation of Union troops into Confederate states. History says and reminds us that enslaved people were freed, but the reality was actually not quite that precise in particular. So Texas, which was considered a remote corner of the Confederacy, pretty much didn't see very many Union troops. And so kind of continued on with business as usual until the June 19th, 1865 announcement of General Order Number 3 by Union General Gordon Granger near Galveston. This was the date that effectively freed enslaved people in Texas as the last of the Confederate states with institutional slavery. And so this is the date, June 19th, that we celebrate now as Juneteenth. So interesting side note, the Emancipation Proclamation did not apply to states that remained in the Union. So slavery was effectively legal in both Delaware and Kentucky until the 13th Amendment was ratified on December 6th, 1865. So I'm sure you can imagine like I can the sheer jubilation of real emancipation after years of civil war. And we barely need to imagine what the horrors of war are like. The first of these Jubilee celebrations were pretty much centered in and around the church. This is a bedrock foundation in most communities. And, and ultimately, these celebrations are reflective of many of the feast day traditions that humans center holidays around. And I'm thinking of Purim. I'm thinking of Cinco de Mayo. I'm thinking of all those m- important moments and dates in history where something magnificent happened and people have wanted to claim it and remember it as long as they can. And what better way to celebrate than with, with food, Right. Right. Some of the 6 million people who migrated from the rural South towards the urban centers in the Northeast, Midwest, and West in the United States between, say, 1910 and 1970, developed new traditions and cultural centers like Harlem, Chicago, Cincinnati, Detroit, and more, but also kept an existing strong sense of cultural identity alive. Since its origin in Texas by state-level proclamation in 1938 and by state legislation in 1979, As of 2021, 49 U.S. states and the District of Columbia have formally recognized Juneteenth as a holiday in various ways. Juneteenth's elevation to a federal holiday is the first new federal holiday since Martin Luther King Jr. Day was adopted in 1983. And with celebrations of events like these come entrenched traditions And in order to best memorialize something, we humans like to parade, recite stories, sing songs, read poetic works. Probably one of the greatest acts of human community building, which is sharing and eating food. And although Black culture doesn't hold a monopoly on a rich community-based food culture, there can be little doubt about how African-American celebratory food traditions have formed a strong backbone of creating and maintaining a strong cultural identity under incredible odds and circumstances. I wanted to spend a little bit of extra time talking about a specific component of Juneteenth food traditions, and that is the color red. So, red foods have found particular favor in Juneteenth celebrations, and this includes things like tomato-based barbecue sauces or red velvet cake or strawberry sodas, fruit punches. Galveston, the seat of the Juneteenth celebration, received thousands of enslaved Africans from Central Africa through 1836. And these people brought with them shared heritage diets based on pork, Turnip greens, sweet potatoes, and field peas. These foods are all still very much part of Southern American food traditions today. In his blog, Afro Culinaria, food historian Michael Twitty says that, quote, The practice of eating red foods, red cake, barbecue, punch, and fruit, may owe its existence to the enslaved Yoruba and Congo brought to Texas in the 19th century. And these are traditionally West African countries. For both these cultures, Twitty writes, quote, the color red is the embodiment of spiritual power and transformation. Enslavement narratives from Texas recall an African ancestor being lured using red flannel cloth, and many of the charms and power objects used to manipulate invisible forces required a red handkerchief, end quote. Twitty also writes, quote, the types of produce used, the preference for one-pot stews, the use of meat and fish as a condiment for seasoning, hot spices and liberal use of sweetening, deep frying, grilling, and steaming in leaves, the communal preparation and consumption of food, associations of food with certain spiritual principles and forces, and improvisatory spirit in meeting the demands of the palate were the fingerprints that the first Afro-Texans left on Texas food for generations to come. End quote. Everything he's saying makes complete sense, but I had never thought about it in that framework and mm-hmm. context before. Right, and it really is giving me like this appreciation for these traditions that have grown from the South. In his own podcast and blog, Dr. Frederick Douglas Opie, a Babson College professor of history and foodways and author of Hog and Hominy: Soul Food from Africa to America, also theorizes that utilization of the color red in food may echo from blood-sacrifice traditions of West African people, wherein, quote, Asante and Uruba's special occasions included offering up blood of animals to their ancestors and gods, end quote. In a podcast episode on the subject of Juneteenth food and African American food traditions, Dr. Opie also recalls that the prominence and importance of strawberry soda might actually originate because Big Red Soda has its origins in Texas, In a less sacrificial context, though, red also evokes blood shed by enslaved ancestors in transatlantic slave trade. That is a point made by James Beard award winner Adrian Miller, author of Black Smoke, African Americans, and the United States of Barbecue. Miller postulates that the red drinks actually echo cola nut and hibiscus drinks brought across the Atlantic from West Africa, where the use of these products imbues a red or pink tinge. A red is really broadly regarded as a power color, right? It evokes energy, passion, activeness, and heat. Foods like apples, tomatoes, peppers, strawberries, all the harbingers of spring and summer that we love so much are truly red when they're ripe and at their peak deliciousness. And the color is also stimulating to the senses, which is why so much of our American food packaging uses red as a way of drawing the eye and and stimulating the senses. Now, I could argue that subconsciously, the color red truly reminds us of warmth and heat of fire as a rallying point for our family, our history, our community, this idea of the hearth. Mm -hmm. We've explored that particular symbology many times because it's such a potent image. And barbecue with its red sauce and smoky umami also just tends to pair really well with a sweet red drink. The other thing I thought just was really poignant was the idea that by eating traditional foods, we maintain a link of connection to those who came before us. It takes a lot of people to survive, to procreate into being generations later. By honoring the past, we honor ourselves in the present, and we prepare ourselves for the future.
1: I love that. And I think that color plays such an important role in so many cultural dishes, And I loved hearing about how red is so important to this Jubilee celebration. There are two more colors that are important to Black history and this celebration that I wanted to talk about, and they are yellow and green. The foods that represent the color yellow are corn, yams, and I'm going to group black-eyed peas into this one. And this is a color that represents the riches of the African continent. Now, corn didn't originate in Africa. It was actually introduced by the Portuguese. But the African farmers adopted this new crop for several reasons. It's very nutritious as a complex carbohydrate. It's really great for energy. It was a low-labor crop, so it didn't require a lot of labor to grow it. And it has a short growing season, so it was easy to harvest very quickly. In High on the Hog, Jessica B. Harris discusses how corn, along with chilies and cassava, changed the cuisine of Africa as well as its dining habits. Corn became an important ingredient in couscous, fermented corn paste called kenki, and corn puddings, and it actually supplanted millet and a grain called fonio that were typically grown in Africa. And some of the dishes that contain these ingredients that you might see on a Juneteenth celebratory table are cornbread southern corn salad, grits. One of the things that was really and continues to be really important in African cuisine is this combination of proteins and starches. You have a starch at a meal that's either covered in a stew or a meat protein, and typically it's either a cereal starch, a rice starch, or yams. Yams are a major starch source in Africa, and like most tubers, the new growth comes from the old tuber, and this is seen as symbolizing the continuity of life. It's a food that is celebrated even today with festivals like, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this correctly, homowo, which is celebrated in Ghana. Now, when enslaved Africans landed on the shores, and I don't even know if landed is the right thing to say, but when they got here, when they got to North America, they found a starch that was similar to the yam, and it's the sweet potato. And this is where we get the confusion between the two. The Africans referred to the sweet potato as yam, the tuber that they were accustomed to, which was then adopted by the Southerners and then throughout the country. Some of the recipes that you'll see in a Juneteenth celebration that really celebrate this ingredient are a sweet potato pie, sweet potato cheesecake, candied yams... And then the third yellow food that I wanted to talk about are black-eyed peas, and these are indigenous to the African continent and most likely found their way to the West Indies and then into the Carolinas. And this is a legume that's associated with good luck. I'm sure that the enslaved Africans did not feel lucky at all. However, I think that this familiar food may have been a welcome sight to them. This is still revered as a food that brings good luck. And we talked about this when we talked about Hop and John that uses black-eyed peas. And we talked about that in our New Year's food episode. Some of the foods that you will see on the Jubilee tables are peas and rice. Black eyed pea salad, black eyed peas, and sweet potato salad, which this one I love because it incorporates both the black eyed peas and the sweet potatoes, which I think just amplifies that importance of these ingredients to the African American culture. Now, green is another important color that's represented on many Juneteenth food tables, and this is a color that represents fertility of the land and good fortune. When I think of green foods and the African-American culture, I think of collard greens. Collard greens were one of the vegetables that enslaved Africans were allowed to grow for themselves. And if you are going to be allowed to grow something, this is a good one to be able to grow. It's full of vitamins and minerals and fibers. And it continues to be a dish that's really important to the african-american culture some of the dishes that you'll see are braised collard greens collard green salads coconut collard greens and another green food is okra mm-hmm. now this is a <laughs> I food actually like okra see this is a food that i have <laughs> i have problems with now if it's fried i'm
0: okay with yeah it. no yeah let me clarify yeah it, if prepared well i really like okra no one likes okra slime.
1: That's not true. Really? Okay. It is actually prized for its slime in Africa because of its thickening ah. power. And that slime can actually be dried into sheets and eaten. And it's actually, it's, it's got a fiber in it that is mm-hmm. very digestible.
0: Okay, I stand yeah. I stand fully corrected. I know. Thank you. It's just not wow. something
1: that I personally <laughs> appreciate, but I was like, wow, wow, that's really interesting. That is
0: super interesting.
1: Yeah, and it's also a thread back to their African heritage. Right. Here's an interesting food fact. During the Civil War, enslaved Africans made fake coffee from parched or baked okra seeds, which were then sold to the Confederate soldiers.
0: Interesting. Very
1: interesting, I Hmm. thought.
0: I'd like to know more about that.
1: I'm thinking that we might write something a little bit more about (laughs) that specifically. Dishes from okra that would be included in the celebrations. Okra pilau, fried okra, stewed okra. I will link to recipes for all of these things that I have mentioned that are actually recipes from Black contributors. So they really go back to that heritage and speak to that culture, which I think is important. And I just wanted to say that neither Kim or myself are in any way experts on this topic. Like Kim said at the beginning, it was something that we were really interested in finding out more about And we both found inspiration and information from several different sources, which we will link to in the show notes as well as on the website. And as Carla Hall said during an interview on Yahoo News after watching the Netflix series High on the Hog, I want to know more. That's the power of food. And I hope that's what we inspire you to do. Whether it's to learn more about the influence of African-American culture and cooking on our cuisine or the history of the foods that are in your pantry, food has the power to help us learn so much about the world. We both really want to thank you for exploring it with us.
0: Absolutely. And in our view, this has been a thesis of As We Eat for the longest time. Food traditions give us the opportunity to straddle two sides of history, the past and the future, while obviously being in the present. And for celebrations like Juneteenth, we can enjoy soul food with an orientation to their origin and at the same time have the opportunity to experiment and find new expressions within that context. For example, red velvet cake, which we will cover actually in an upcoming article on the Asweet Journal. You know, in this way, we continue to grow within our context while staying true to the path from which we come. You know, I appreciate having very much the opportunity to explore food traditions that are... Maybe not ones that I grew up with, but being able to access them, just as you so eloquently said, Lay, like, it just helps us to understand each other all the more, and as we're all in this together. So thank you for coming on this journey with us. For more information about today's episode, check out our website at asweeat.com. Follow us on Instagram at asweeat, and please join our family recipes, traditions, and food lore community on Facebook. And so you don't
1: miss an episode, subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And it would make us super happy if you would share this episode with a friend and review and rate it on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And I understand that Spotify now has a new review
0: function. Five stars, please. As mentioned, we also publish the As We Eat Journal on Substack. We would be so honored if you would support us by becoming a subscriber We take tasty side trips through vintage recipes, community cookbooks, discovery explorations, and travel stops. There are three subscription tiers, including one especially for brands, and so we're sure you'll find one that's perfect for you at asweeat.substack.com.
1: You've been listening to the As We Eat podcast, part of our multi platform storytelling project exploring how food connects, defines, and
0: inspires. (laughs) Ba-ba-da, ba-da-ba-da ba,